0: Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. This will be three sessions, uh, today, tomorrow, and then Saturday morning as well. In each of these sessions you'll be learning slightly different things okay Um, why might you be in here okay so as your friends are wandering around the campus and they're wondering where they're supposed to go um, this is your opportunity to text them and come back here uh, because because what we're going to be doing um, you know this is a missions conference and uh, there really isn't a mission without a decision to evangelize right I mean There's nobody to disciple if you don't first determine that you're going to be sharing the gospel with people and so so we don't want to get the cart before the horse right so if your friends you know they're in the missions prep group or whatever but uh maybe they're not effective at evangelizing it might be good to call them back here and and say hey this you want to be in this session Um, because ultimately what many of the church planters are doing when they go to a foreign field or to a new city is they're actually evangelizing and they are uh they're starting bible studies that eventually become churches and uh and and really what dan and i are talking about today is is how to create the culture for that um and so uh just a heads up that's what you're getting into and so this is also your opportunity to get up and and leave if you feel like you've got this down but um that's what we're gonna be talking about so many of you many of you drove here long distances uh that's mainly because that's a that's the cheaper decision to make Uh, but some of you may have flown here and I and I don't know if you're like me whenever you get on a flight um, after you get over the anxiety of flying and getting you know on the plane and sitting down and all that business your thought is Lord would you have me to have you know start a conversation with someone that would be gospel-centered Lord would you use me to evangelize to the person that I'm sitting next to and that's become harder and harder um, uh, with the headphones you know that's become more difficult you feel like you're Im- imposing on people when you, s- you start conversations they act agitated with you um, especially if you look like me I'm I think you, I'm scary looking maybe it's this the the heavy brow that I have I'm kind of I look angry naturally so people don't want to talk to me but I try anyway and uh and so that's 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 kind of effective sometimes i've had i've had that work out for me from time to time uh but this is what we refer to as confrontational evangelism right where in a brief moment of time you engage with a person uh you may or may not see that person ever again uh but your hope is that in a moment you would be able to take advantage of the opportunity that god's given you and that there might be an open door and that you can share the gospel and this has varying degrees of effectiveness and if at your church you may or may not have uh a an evangelism ministry i know austin kind of heads up an evangelism ministry uh at their church and they go out on the street and they go into parking lots and they meet with people that are coming out of grocery stores and and they engage with people o- over the gospel hey what do you believe about jesus christ um and they do their very darndest to present uh, a brief uh presentation of the gospel and our, our church has a ministry like that we call it hit the streets and on saturdays we go out we go door to door we go around the neighborhoods we go on college campuses and we do what we refer to as confrontational evangelism hey can i just have a, a brief conversation with you for a moment what do, you, what do you believe about jesus christ what have you ever read the bible before okay who do you believe jesus to be what do you what do you think about christianity and then you engage in a conversation with the hope that that would manifest in someone getting saved growing up this is what i was taught to do this is actually what I believed all evangelism was that's what, the, the, what I thought um, and occasionally people modeled it for me but rarely rarely and I think I think that people actually um, in Christianity today are pretty terrible at giving the gospel um, that's that's I think that's part of what it means to be Laodicean is that you're very happy and comfortable with the fact that you're saved uh, but other people's souls um, are not apparently as significant as your own and so we don't take the time we don't go out of our way i wish more people were confrontational in their evangelism i wish more people would open their mouths in that way that they wouldn't be afraid um, in fact maybe we need a, a confrontational evangelism component at the, at the missions conference i don't know uh, but i have to say the general strength of confrontational evangelism is the quantity of people that you can impact this way because it's brief and because it's it, it happens in a moment The strength is that the more you do this, the more often you do this, the more frequently you do this, the more people do come to get saved, right? And uh, it doesn't matter how eloquent you are. If you present the message of Jesus Christ, it will compel people and they will they will receive Christ. It will happen. But but you got to do it a lot because let's be honest, uh, when you don't know a person, well, what merit do you have? What what value is it to them to listen to you, right? right you could be an axe murderer on the airplane sharing the gospel they wouldn't know any different and so there's something to building relationships that are meaningful right Th- that are deep where they can see uh, Christ reflected in you in your behavior and your attitude in the way that you see the world and these things ultimately give you audience the way you live gives you audience with other people and it's powerful Now, we know that evangelism is just presenting the gospel, right? It's evangelism is just presenting the gospel with the intent that people would be converted from darkness to light. And we use truth to do that. We use the truth of God's word to do that. And we know we also know that there are many methods of going about doing this, whether it's confrontational. There's there are methods within methods. Right? So if you're confrontational in your evangelism, a lot of you probably grew up learning from maybe from Ray Comfort how to engage people and have conversations about whether or not you're a sinner. And, 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 and so you learn methods and there's methods within methods and, and there's things that you do and there's Romans Road and there's all these ways of approaching sharing the gospel. But this week, Dan and I uh, want to propose to you that an open Bible, an open Bible with the lost for extended periods of time, is an effective and healthy way of evangelizing the lost. And maybe, maybe the most healthy and the most effective way of evangelizing the lost. Hebrews 4:12 um, is a very familiar passage to any of us who've been in God's Word for a while. And it says this: that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's a powerful statement about God's word. Now, the interesting thing about that is that there's no place in the Bible that tells us that human beings and the eloquence of our our mouths and and how good we are or intellectual we are. You know, I don't. I don't ever find uh, God telling us that we are uh, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? That relying that relying on our ability in and of itself is as powerful as simply opening the Bible and letting the Bible speak. Like, no matter how good you are at sharing the gospel, you aren't the Word of God itself. So we believe that the Bible is actually the answer not how good at at being a Christian you are or evangelizing it holds the power it has the ability to undo a man right the the Bible has the ability to pierce a person to lay open their life to, to bring to light their sin to demand repentance to see themselves as completely unholy without the saving work of Jesus Christ the Word of God has the ability to expose people and it does that when people encounter it So so I have to believe that the more someone is exposed to Scripture, the more likely they are to get saved. I had a brother this morning that was telling me a testimony about how uh, he was engaging with this guy, had questions about angels and demons. And this is a guy that never been church, never been around the gospel, didn't know anything about the Bible. And he just simply started saying what he knew about angelology, just the little little things that 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 he you know, had learned over the last year or so studying the Bible. And the guy he was talking to, who was a young man, was so enamored by it that in that moment he said, you know, I used to consider myself an atheist until this very moment. Now I have to really consider whether or not there is a God. Wow. Just a brief, a brief conversation about what the word of God has to say about what would we, we would consider to be a fairly peripheral part of our theology. The Bible does that. It creates wonder in the imagination of a person and it shows them who they really are. Immediately they recognize there has to be some sort of conviction, that there has to be some sort of greater truth. Now, Discovery Bible Method, which is what we're gonna be talking about today, is an evangelistic form of Bible study that puts the burden of gospel proof on the exposition of scripture over time. Okay, I'll say that one more time just so you understand the definition of what we're doing today. Discovery Bible method is an evangelistic form of Bible study that puts the burden, not on you, but on the gospel itself and the exposition of God's word over time. It puts the burden of proof on the scriptures. It lets them, the, the, the Bible speak for itself. Now, one of the virtues of Discovery Bible method is that it has sustaining effects. Okay, and this is what I mean by that sometimes you'll hear the saying people will say uh you keep them the way that you catch them all right and and you could use this this is something people say in the, the secular world too in marketing and sales and things like that but what when people say that in ministry in a ministry context what they usually mean is the following the way that you evangelize someone and the way that they come to Christ or the way that they come into your church is usually the way that you have to keep them and so if you rely on big tent events where there's lots of popcorn and activities and, 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 and things for the whole family, and, uh, and it's got to be exciting, and there's fog machines and, and strobe lights, and they come to Christ that way, and that's their entry point, generally speaking, you've set the bar at that place where they imagine all of their ministry life and what it means to be a Christian kind of revolves around activity and performance and entertaining them. So they're predisposed to kind of lean that direction or expect those those things in ministry life. Okay, but what if, what if you ask a lost person, would you you be willing to sit down with me and study the word of God? I I know that you aren't believing, but do you have any interest in sitting down with me and learning God's word? Or coming to my Bible study and meeting my friends and, and just spending some time with the Bible open? And week after week, they come and they realize that they're being loved, that they have friends, that it's a safe place, that they're they're being invited to engage and they start learning the Bible for themselves. And maybe it takes a few weeks, maybe it takes a few months, maybe it takes a year, but they come to Christ that way. Guess what their expectations are in terms of ministry? That to follow Christ is to study the Bible and to know God's word. And they they just very naturally transition into a discipleship relationship. And now that what they recognize is that intimacy with Jesus Christ and his word is the primary focus of what it means to be a believer. And everything else springs out from that. They're predisposed to that thinking because you've set them up for that. How much healthier is that? You know, in confrontational evangelism, uh, you pose the risk of losing track of the person that you're ministering to. And you can lose track of them just as easily as you encounter them. The confrontational relationship is brief and it's precarious, and so is the potential for discipleship. It's also precarious. You're following up with, the, you don't know where they live, and you gotta, and hey, would you be willing to come to church? And it's hard to follow up with people that you evangelize on the street or on the subway or, or, or in your classroom after the semester's over, right? It's hard to keep touch. But if it's centered around regular meetings over the word of God, it's very natural for it to flow into into uh local church ministry and discipleship entering a bible study relationship with a lost person establishes a relationship that's obligated and it promotes a more meaningful presentation of the gospel and and a more sure possibility of future discipleship okay so that's the preface and I want I want to make sure you understand what we're doing t- uh, today in the next few days so what to expect the very first thing that you need to expect is that today as we talk about discovery Bible method we are going to be presenting to you a construct, a method, a structure specifically formed to let God's uh, God, God's word do the convincing with the lost. And I'm going to teach you how to use this method right now. Tomorrow we're going to do a workshop. So tomorrow will be a class. So if today is a construct, tomorrow is a class. We're gonna be doing workshops. There will be small group Bible studies all over the sanctuary. You're gonna get broken off into a girl's group or a guy's group and you're gonna actually practice doing Discovery Bible Method so that you understand how to do it. We we introduced that last year because we had so many follow-up questions after we did these. This is our fourth or fifth time teaching this class. We were getting so many follow-up questions about how to do it, we decided to just let you guys do it. And so tomorrow we're gonna break out and we're gonna do a class devoted to you learning and experiencing the Disco- discovery Bible method format. Then the third day, Saturday morning, Dan Renault is gonna get up here and he is going to present to you what I would refer to, to as a curriculum, okay? A curriculum, meaning he's gonna show you how to use creation to Christ, that's, that's a particular form of Bible study or, a, or a, uh, a layout for Bible study that allows you to walk a person through highlights of scripture give them an understanding of the bible and ultimately point them to jesus christ as the answer and so he's going to walk you through how to do that and he's going to show you some different outlines uh, of how to use a curriculum like that okay so that's that's the intro let's pray real quick and then we'll get we'll get into the nitty-gritty of of um, what we got today it's a good group good group you guys excited we're going to learn some stuff dear heavenly father lord we thank you Uh, I thank you for these people this is the youngest group uh, that I've ever seen in in here and uh, um, I I love what that means God Uh, thank you for working on young people's hearts and showing them that there is a need there is a there is a, a demand on their life to share the gospel everywhere they go, and to take advantage of every opportunity. And Lord, I pray that as Dan and I walk through this and as we spend time uh, with these folks, that this would not be a program, but this would just be a way of life. And that Lord, you would truly make them to be fruitful in their ministry, whatever it looks like, whether it's in their high school, on their college campus, in their neighborhood, Uh, with their friends Lord make them fruitful we're asking for souls and so we can talk about this until we're blue in the face but at the end of the day if we're not asking you to go before us and to make a way and to expand your kingdom in the communities that we serve Lord this is all in vain we recognize it that our labor will be vain and so we're asking you and the power of your spirit to go and to work in the lives of our friends to open up the conversations to prepare the people in advance that we might be able to draw them into Bible study and to simply win them over with the power and the beauty and the wonder of your word you've given us such a precious tool and Lord I pray that we wouldn't waste it by relying on our own eloquence or even the strength of our apologetic we need you Lord, build your kingdom, we pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, so we know methodology is not the main thing. It's not the main thing, it's not the main thing. Methods and strategies are nothing compared to prayer, to faith, and obedience, right? But methodology does play a role. It does have have a role. Paul had a methodology. The apostle Paul, our example, had a method that he used And whether it be in the way that he went to the synagogues first when he came into a city, he would go to those that he already knew were established in God's word that had a familiarity with what the Bible said. He would go to those people first and he would engage with them. And sometimes that was effective and sometimes it wasn't effective, but it was a method that he used that he was compelled to use. Or or maybe the method was simply that he just became all things to all men that he might win some. And so maybe the method was, look, I can, I'll eat what you're eating or I'll, I'll, I will behave the way that you're behaving because I want to integrate myself into this community for the time that I'm here, and I want you to know that I love you and care about you, and so I'm going to become like you in order to gain an audience and a, and a platform to share the gospel. That's a method. That's a way of thinking. Those are principles, and so methodology does have a place. And that's what DBM. It's uh, DBM is. It's just a method. Now, in a secular and a a polarized, post-Christian world that we live in, we know, especially you young people, you know this, that people are generally afraid of attending church, right? And I think you know, some of us, depending on where we grew up or what the church setting was like, I think a lot of times when we didn't know how to evangelize, we just were like, hey. Would you want to go with me to church sometime? That was what we we relied on. We know for darn sure that that's not working anymore because whether or not anybody has ever had an experience with the church or not. The the media and the social imaginary that we engage with is completely opposed to Christianity. And so you're asking them to engage in the unknown and the scary and they just generally don't want to be a part of it. But it doesn't change the fact that people are curious about what our faith says or are curious about the Bible. So we know that we have to go to the lost because they aren't coming here. They're not lining up outside of our churches saying, you know, uh, yeah, I heard that there was something cool happening here, uh, may I come in? That's, that's not really what's happening. We actually have to go to lost people because they're not going to come to us and, and the, mo- the, the most um, for most people the Bible the Bible is um, is a joke right I mean I think for most people in the lost world the Bible maybe represents the unknown but the, the easiest thing to do about something you don't understand is to criminalize it right like when you don't understand something that's true for us too when you don't understand something and you fear it you make it the enemy right and you justify your positions even if they're completely unfounded and people do that with the Bible so they associate the Bible with Christianity and they aso- associate Christianity with whatever Donald Trump or whatever it is they want to associate it with and so they learn to despise what we would regard as absolute truth and the, an- and the answer for their hopelessness but they don't know that and so what they do is they make a joke of the bible but here here's the catch they only think that way until someone opens the bible and shows it to them because once they see it for what it is they can't deny that it's powerful it's sharp and it exposes them for the false identity that they've been carrying around for so many years it exposes them and they're drawn to it and it, and it creates wonder and awe. that's what our Bible does and so we've got to learn how to use it now I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show you Uh, and I'm gonna gonna paint this picture for you as we get closer to the end, but before we get to the method, I hope you don't mind, I'd like to present to you a philosophy of Bible study, a philosophy, a philosophical approach that we adopted uh, here at Midtown Baptist Temple and we still are learning to adopt, right? We don't have this all figured out, but there are some philosophical objectives that we have as it concerns Bible study. And some of these things that I present to you, they might look different than the way that you understand Bible study or or the way that you've experienced Bible study. So I want you to pay close attention. And I wanna walk through this. Uh, before we get into the how, I wanna to express to you the way we believe or think about Bible study. So six years ago, I joined the college and young adult ministry at, here at the church. I was in the high school ministry. I was the pastor of the high school ministry. And and Dan, and I'm gonna come back to Dan and, and, and the use of Bible study here in a moment. but. But Dan decided he was going to go play at a church in Lee summit, which is a a suburb, about 20, 25 minutes that direction. And when that happened, I I adopted the ministry that he had established. And at the time, it was about 60 college and young adults. And there was probably five or six Bible studies that were meeting. And these were fairly traditional Bible studies uh, where people came together with a study prepared and he had a great group of leaders i adopted a group of leaders a core of individuals that i felt like i could do anything with whatever the lord compelled us to do i felt very confident so i was i was privileged in that way but i felt uh, i felt compelled almost immediately uh to to think about bible study differently than what i'd seen it modeled for me and so when considering a strategic vision for kaya that's what we call our college and adult ministry I began considering what it would look like to take a church planting approach to Bible studies. So the thing that you're hearing us talk about here in the mornings about church planting and uh, multiplying by dividing right taking a, a group and placing it somewhere else in the US or in the world and letting them establish or replicate the DNA of the church that they came from right acts chapter 13 that business. I thought it would be great uh, if we actually approached, in our fellowship, um, Bible study, the work of Bible study in a very similar way, in an organic way, where training was happening and people were growing up into leadership, and what we did is we divide the group and move it and put them in other places. So I thought, okay, this, this, there's, a, there's something that we can do here that might have an impact. This planting Bible studies thing might, might be effective. Um, So what what is the value of this perspective? Now, I want to share this with you in retrospect, because God has used our ministry to do quite a bit. But but there's a value to this perspective, and I want to paint a picture for you, and I want to try to convince you that there's something to this philosophy that we should all maybe adopt. So the very first thing is this, and and I think this is all in the slides and in your handout. Planting Bible studies extends your church's reach into the smaller communities, neighborhoods, and workplaces where you serve and minister. That's what Bible studies do. So a Bible study can and should establish microcultures of your church in pockets of your cities and towns with the belief that they will germinate and they will replicate and they will expand. So so for us in, in the College of young, young Adult Ministry, the priority was college campuses, young people, like continuing to reach young people over and over and over and over again. And so we really emphasize getting bible studies on campuses where young people are at that's what we emphasize for you it might be neighborhoods it might be at your workplace it might be on the on your lunch break at at the at the corporation that you work for it could look many many different ways but the key is it's a way of getting what's happening here in this place getting what god's doing here and taking it and putting it in a part of our city that the whole collective of the church couldn't possibly get to but a small group could a group of three or four or even just one person might be able to penetrate a different part of our city. And uh, uh, planting Bible studies in that perspective gave us insight in how to take risks and how to find where the lost people were and to follow the fruit, right? Which is what we talk about a lot when we talk about church planting. So Bible study is a way of interjecting God's word into parts of the city that can't be reached easily by larger groups. Bible study is a way of dropping missionaries into neighborhoods or campuses with knowledge that it's going to go viral with the belief that it'll go viral wherever it's at. All right. So that's the first thing and that maybe seem obvious. I might be saying things to you that seem obvious to you. But but I think this is a big deal. So here's the next philosophy or idea or objective. Planning Bible studies makes owning the mission tangible and accountable to your church. Planning Bible studies makes owning the mission tangible and accountable at your church. So we talk about evangelizing and discipling and church planting. We like to talk about those things before an 18 or a 20-year-old or even a 40-year-old who's never experienced evangelism, has never discipled a person. And really, uh, uh, church planting is an abstract uh, construct. And that's for someone else way further along. When we talk about planting bible studies it makes the work of church planting and evangelizing and discipleship it brings it down to a level that makes it easy for everybody to interact with no matter where they're at in their walk with the lord okay so when i when i when i have an opportunity uh, and i want to make this as as clear as as possible when we have a, a small group that's maybe 10 or 12 people and it's thriving and i've got a really good leader over that bible study and they've trained up another person that's working with them and learning how to lead the way that they're leading, what we want to do is we want to divide that group and give that growing leader an opportunity to lead. We want them to get their hands dirty. We want them to learn to feel like, okay, so what, what this morning, you know, Mike was real encouraging to us about church planning this morning, right? I think he used the, failure, the word failure like 45 times if you were counting. he he expressed us how difficult it can be right and it can be particularly difficult if you've never done any work like this before so planting bible studies gives you like a miniature version a a miniature playground to consider and to imagine and to set your mind to what it might be like to plant a church all right so i was talking to you earlier about how dan planted a church in lee summit that started as a bible study that church started as a bible study sunday nights they were meeting in someone's home and it grew and it grew and the people that were involved in that work they learned about what it would take to actually plant a church right they were there they were there they were meeting in someone's living room they had to set up childcare because a lot of people were showing up with kids and they had to start doing that they got their hands dirty in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do it makes the work of the ministry uh, easy to handle and to consider and so i do believe that planting bible studies or this way of thinking allows people a safe place to do the work that ultimately they're going to do you know hopefully on the mission field 5 10 15 years from that moment you guys with me so far okay the next thing is this planting bible studies prepares growing leaders to become shepherds Okay, are you guys, are you filling in the blanks, right? Is there a blank for the word prepare? There's no blanks yet. Wow, okay. I told you I was winging it up here. Yeah, okay. Well, there is no blank. But the philosophy is we plant Bible studies to prepare growing leaders to become shepherds. So you take, this is the way it works. You take your best and your brightest and you proactively send them to places where they can exercise their gifting. I see young men, our ministry, I see, see so many young men and women that are leading their natural leaders. Yeah. They're gifted to do the work. Now we're fitly joined and there's there's all kinds of ways in which people will find their way in ministry. Some will be in different kinds of support roles or whatever. But the beautiful thing about it is I can let what I see or perceive to be a growing leader exercise their gifting in a safe place allow them to be effective, allow them to to yearn for souls, to go out and to to do outreach, to invite people in, to disciple, and I give them a space in a Bible study context for them to express their leadership so that they can grow and they can become exactly what God wants them to be. And I have the ability to do that, and and the Bible studies gives me a platform to do that. Where a lot of times in in our churches and, and in ministry, we sometimes, sadly, because because we get so busy we actually run out of leadership roles and pastors could probably attest to this especially churches that have been around a while you got someone that grows into a leadership role and then they get stuck there and so there's actually there's like a there's like a glass ceiling for leaders sometimes if we're not careful well Bible studies I could we could have a hundred Bible studies 200 Bible studies and it allows someone to take on a A a shepherding role a pastoral role to be a a, a responsible for a group of five or six or seven people to love them to care for them to counsel them to nurture them and to function as a leader even if it's with a group of six or seven people you don't have to take over your hospitality ministry to be a leader like I got a leadership role for you right here and it looks like that neighborhood across town does that make sense and so this gives opportunity it's pastors listen to me it's scalable It's scalable you can do this over and over and over again forever until it turns into a church plant across town until it turns into a a, a leader getting a heart for the mission and then you send them across the the world and and they're taking people with them that have been in like this is what we're beginning to see this is what i'm trying to express you this is what we're beginning to see and the, the cool thing about it as it begins to grow and because it's scalable my bible study leaders are my primary focus in kaya and I focus 90% of my training on the Bible study leaders. And then I let them express the philosophy of ministry and who we are and the DNA. And I let them do the counseling. and I let them invest down. They're the sh- under shepherds. And I'm the under shepherd to Sam. And Sam is the under shepherd to Christ. And, and it just works out great. It's a, it's a wonderful structure. Here's the next thing. Planting Bible studies prepares people to plant churches, and this is what we've already talked about. They get to see what buying a field looks like. They get to experience the sacrifices of working with people. They get to pray uh, the prayers that a a church planter would pray. Right, God, you have to use me. Okay, I'm going to I want to tell stories. I'm afraid that I'll run out of time if I tell too many. But earlier this last year, we started another Bible study focused on international students at UMKC. And we knew that we were taking a bit of a risk because it was already kind of a small group of, uh, uh, of men. And we divided it in half and it made it even smaller. And so we had a small group that, uh, of men, of uh, three men that were meeting together. And this was the culture. This group of three men was the culture that we were believing that the Lord would use to expand into a group of 10 or 12 or whatever over time, that God would use them to evangelize the lost, draw people into Bible study, teach them the Word of God, Larry was one of these guys. Larry and I don't, I don't know if Andy's in here or not, Andy Cardona, and, uh, and Carlos Vasquez. And these three men came over to my house, we had a meeting, and they were so desperate because they felt like that like we can't, we're not strong enough, we're not big enough, we don't have the reach, the, the men, the people that we've invited to Bible study in the few months that we've been doing this, it just hasn't been working, and, and we're just meeting failure after failure after failure. I said, well, we just, we gotta pray. And so, in my living room, we wept for souls. And within just a few months, like they were burdened, and just a few months, God began to give them fruit. And now that Bible study, how many guys are attending that Bible study right this moment? Um, uh, Consistently six. Consistently six. So they've doubl- they've doubled in about eight or nine months. Which what? Praise God. God's teaching them what it means to be faithful. God's teaching them. That it's okay to hurt in ministry. That it's the, the work is hard. It's difficult, but ultimately He's the one doing it, and we can trust Him for the outcomes. They're learning. These are men in their early twenties that are learning the things that took some of us into our thirties and forties to learn. And so, what we want is we want Bible studies to prepare men just like this, and women. They get to learn how to counsel weaker believers. They get to cultivate vision. They get to taste the mission, and they get to addict themselves to the ministry that's what this does so so those are some of the objectives that we have so the next question has to be now that we understand our objectives the the next thing we need to do is we need to ask ourselves what a healthy Bible study looks like can we do that real quick what does a healthy Bible study look like now who even knows what a Bible study is anymore are these churches I'm sorry I'm talking that way already (laughs) these churches like I'm about to OK, there are churches in the world, <laughs> the vast majority of them, that have long ago given up on the idea of Bible study. You know that, right? That, that, that uh, for varying reasons, all right, that we don't have time to talk about, disheartening reasons, but they've retained the shell of what we would refer to as Bible study okay and so they have what they call they and none of these terms are wrong you might use these terms but they have a lot of times they have there's coded meaning here so what we would once call Bible study they now call life group right and I'm not saying you might call them life groups and that's not the point or or maybe now they're cell teams or community groups or whatever they are but the problem with with this is that many of these these groups they're not opening the Bible that that's that's the issue is that they're not opening the they're not there's a purpose behind the evolution because they're afraid that the Bible bores people or that it's not practical enough or that people might not understand it Right? and they've got their varying reasons so what they do is they they build a we'll call it a cell team just for the sake of because that's the one i that's the term that i think is lamest cell teams so they've got a cell team and they get together and they do a beth moore study okay you guys know who that is there's too many young people in here they don't even know but they use some sort of other mechanism a books a book that becomes a book club about jesus about Jesus being their boyfriend and they get together week after week and they talk about how Jesus is their boyfriend okay you never heard this so this is just a joke you've heard contemporary Christian music right okay uh, Jesus is he's so sweet he's so handsome that's basically what they're saying I don't, know, I don't know what the songs are saying but but the point is that we don't approach God the right way all right We don't approach him with reverence or concern for his word, right? We approach him as our buddy and our friend. And so we we come together and and whether the Bible is open or not, that's inconsequential as long as we get a chance to talk about our feelings a little bit. As long as we get to talk about our feelings, we'll feel like we did something tonight in small group. And that's what a lot of these groups are. just an opportunity for people to talk about how depressed they are. It's an alternative to a therapist because therapists are expensive, right? and they go and they meet and they, 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 when they walk away, they're not any closer to God. They just got to express their feelings and get something off their chest. I mean, some of these groups at some of these churches, I've, I've heard the guys get together and they watch MMA. They watch the football game. They have a few beers. I'm being dead serious. And they call this their community groups. This is how weird things have gotten, y'all. We have got to get back to the Bible we can't let this 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 subtle evolution take place in our communities we can't let that happen we've got to be intentional we've got to be focused when we're talking about small groups of people in our church the christian is uh world is overrun with imitation bible studies gatherings that masquerade as christ-centered and they're not and they're not concerned with the right things and they're not doing the right things and no one is growing so when we say bible study what do we mean okay the first thing is this i still don't know whether or not we've gotten to any blanks but the first thing is this it needs to be bible centered bible centered that's the first thing every bible study should have a culture that asserts that the bible is the authority for all of life every aspect of life and so you may come to bible study with all your feelings well the good news is that when you express those feelings there are solutions in god's Word to make right the pattern that's been made wrong. There are answers in God's word. Second Peter 1, 3 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given uh, unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these things, by those promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Every Bible study leader, every Bible study leader should be equipped to support a proper biblical hermeneutic. Okay, so again, at the other churches, a lot of times anybody can be a Bible study leader if they're willing to open their home. That should not be the prerequisite of leadership in a Bible study. The prerequisite should be whether or not someone has a basic understanding of God's word so that they can protect God's word and defend it in the context of small group because there will be people who challenge it and they need to be able to compare scripture with scripture. They don't need to be they don't need to be as brilliant as Randy Copeland. But they do need to be able to understand a basic biblical hermeneutic. So that, that they can guide people and ultimately teach other people how to also use a biblical hermeneutic. OK, and we'll get to that later because that's a really important part. So the first thing a Bible study needs to be, or whatever you call it, small group. I, I call it small groups sometimes, small groups. They need to be Bible-centered. They need to be Bible-centered. The next thing they need to be is prayer-centered. Prayer has to be an important component in every Bible study. I believe that. Every Bible study should understand prayer as crucial. Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain prayer has to be center stage because prayer activates the ministry okay so what does that look like well okay among the leaders of that small group they should be praying for one another all right among the people that attend that bible study in kaya every bible study has a whatsapp and anybody that attends the bible studies contributing prayer requests into that whatsapp hey would you pray for me about it's part of their life it's a part of bible study life is praying when they get together they start the evening with prayer when they leave the small group for the evening they end the evening with prayer why because we can't get anything right if we don't pray we can't start the bible study right we won't have the right frame of mind we won't be able to receive the truth that god has for us tonight And when we leave, we need God to make those truths a reality. So we pray to him, God, make these truths a reality in my life as I walk out the door and go to my car that I wouldn't just lose them or squander them. Prayer does those things. And so we can't neglect prayer. You can't be, oh, we ran out of time this week. No, we've got to be praying together in our small group. It's it's important. Three, Bible study should be leadership development. Leadership development. Every Bible study should be fertile ground for training and reproducing more Bible study leaders. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, it's right up there. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So Bible studies for us, in terms of our philosophy, Bible studies are discipleship. Because the leader of the small group... Is always training a, a secondary leader, an associate leader. Why? Because they're, one of their primary objectives is to get the small group to a place of health so that they can divide the group and replicate it, and that person can take, and then they start all over and they're training another person, and they're training and they're training and they're training more and more shepherds so the work can expand and we can obey 2 Timothy 2.2. That's what we're doing. Fourth, it needs to be accountable. Bible study needs to be accountable which is sometimes difficult, right? You can only keep someone accountable at the level that they're willing to let you keep them accountable. But every Bible study should be a loving community with a culture of empathy, encouragement, and exhortation, which I think is lacking in a lot of Bible studies, to be honest with you. Have you noticed that sometimes Christians who believe the Word of God can also be arrogant jerks? (laughs) They know the Bible real well. And so their primary objective in Bible study is actually to convince you that they know the Bible real well. That, that that's what they think that they're there to do. Geez. It's detrimental. So, what should a Bible study be? Well, it should be a place where people are open, loving, hospitable, accommodating. Vulnerable, this, this creates vulnerability. So, uh, so, for instance, in a college and young adult ministry where there are young people, someone can come in and they can express what's really grieving them. Guys, I've been, um, this, this is an example, I'm not saying this wrong. I'm so, guys, I'm so depressed, I can't stop thinking about such and such. And it's just consuming my thoughts, it's affecting my grades at school, and this is what's going on in my life. Now, listen to me, people only open up like that If you create space for them to open up like that accountability is an invitation that's received if you don't extend the invitation for accountability i mean in a real and meaningful way then people aren't people aren't going to want to be accountable to you in some of these you know in in an older group maybe maybe a, a man comes into a small group setting he's 45 his job is on the, you know, is not going well and his marriage is struggling. To get a guy like that to open up about that stuff can sometimes be really difficult. So you have to have a Bible study that invites accountability. You've got to be empathetic and loving and listening and you've got to be all those things because you won't ever have accountability if you aren't that. Because people won't want to engage, they'll be shut off. Proverbs 27, 17 says iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Some of us us use Bible study as an opportunity to prove how smart we are, and that is not iron sharpening iron, because it's not invitational. And so that's something we gotta be really careful about. There's a lot to say about that, but we're gonna keep moving. The fifth thing is Bible studies should be evangelical. They should be evangelical every bible study should be an invitation to the lost to engage truth and love and that's a tricky one because you could have the first four and not know how to do this last one and that's actually why we're doing this that's why we're teaching you this uh, this week is because we want you to figure out how to do that last part the other stuff actually if you notice all of this stuff just looks like church right i mean all this, this is like a mini church that's what you're you're reproducing a, a small microcosm of what you're doing in church this is what your church should be but if these things aren't manifesting themselves in the small group then it's not a healthy small group but the evangelical part is a really difficult part because Bible studies tend to be fairly closed off right because because it's generally Uh, An opportunity the way we historically see Bible study is it's an opportunity for the Christians who are already established in your church to come together and just hold each other accountable around God's word. Nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing. But it doesn't leave space for lost people to come in and experience God's word for themselves. And so we, we want to learn how to do that. So just so just by way of testimony. When I came into Kaya six years ago, we had about 60 people and about five or six Bible studies. Today in Kaya, we have somewhere between 230 and 250 young people. And we have uh, 42 Bible studies. Okay, so in six years, we've seen that kind of multiplication. Now, I attribute that first and foremost to the fact that we have chosen to be a praying church. We're not always good at it, but we do do it. We do pray, and God answers prayers, and when we don't do things right and the methods don't work, God still works. So I attribute it first and foremost to the decision as a church to pray for God to make us fruitful. The second thing is I believe that discovery Bible method and the way that we've constructed Bible studies, actually it works, and God is into this stuff, right? So he honors it, because he's into this stuff. And we've and we've we've created something that we know is working, and um, and so it's it's working. I don't know what to tell you. It just keeps going and going and going. And so, can I express to you my vision? I'm being, I'm speaking of vulnerable. I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you. What I want from the college and young adult ministry is for it to be a church planting machine. I I want the young adults in our ministry, I want it, you know, the way Sam talks about it is it's a finishing school. So Kaya is to bring people into adulthood, into maturity, so they can make wise decisions about the call on their life. And I see that as my responsibility. And so what I'd like to see, this is my heart, uh, we've seen a trickling. So this team that's going to Vietnam, you guys know about the Vietnam church plant in Saigon. Andrew ong is taking a group of about eight people with him to Saigon that group of people is made up entirely of of people from Kaya and the international student ministry these are young people that are going okay Um, that's awesome and what I'd like to see we're seeing the trickling we're seeing you know we're seeing the the brook side bottoms go And we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing people going out and being a part of work that young adults are saying, "Okay, we're seeing a trickle, but I'd like that to be a steady stream. I'd like for it to have some momentum so that we're planting churches, that we have the capacity anyway to plant churches year year over year, over year, over year, over year. Right, that we've got people equipped to go and be a part of teams or to lead teams at a pastoral level or a support role. We have people to do that work. And so what I believe that looks like is a ministry of young adults that looks like about 300 people and it, and it maybe ebbs and flows between 270 and 320 and it kind of moves depending on what season we're in in terms of church planting. But I believe that our ministry should have 100 Bible studies at least just in Kyle. And I believe those Bible studies might look like six to 12 people. And I believe those, that those Bible studies should be made up of 50 percent lost people and 50 percent saved people. And that's the real part I want you to catch. I I want you to catch the idea that when you meet for Bible study, that there should always be a number of people that are joining you that are not saved or are unchurched. You need to be drawing them in. You need to be going and meeting them and asking them, hey, would you consider? Would you consider? Would you consider? We would love to have you. We would love to. There's a group of people that I'd love for you to meet. Come study the Bible with us. It's disarming it's relational it's loving and I'm telling you we're seeing we're seeing God use it so we have to focus on evangelism and training leaders and sending and I believe that I believe that God's gonna do that I believe that God's gonna do that here and I believe that God wants to do that in your churches too so what is discovery Bible method because we haven't actually talked about it yet So I wanna talk to you about the construct itself. I wanna walk you through this and then we'll practice it tomorrow. Are You guys ready to follow along with me? Are you bored yet? Okay. So what is Discovery Bible Method? It is an expository study method done in a small group situation. Okay? Now, many of us have done Bible study for a long time, and I grew up doing Bible study where I was asked to do a study, say we're in Ephesians chapter two, which is what you're gonna be studying tomorrow, okay? Ephesians chapter two, and I'm studying it, and I'm doing a study, and I'm, doing, I'm learning things on my own, and then I come and I bring it and I present it in a small group. And we used to call that SOT, but I think other people just call that Bible study, I don't know, we called it, we called it SOT. And the onus was on each individual to bring a, a study which can be pretty intimidating, right? Especially if you're a young believer, you're new to that world, you come and you show up with a study and you, you present for five minutes what God taught you from his word. So imagine 18 year old me, I can't imagine him, I'm having a hard time, but, but imagine 18 year old me showing up to Bible study, having never been in a Bible study, and they're like, okay, what do you have to share tonight? It's not an easy thing to do for people. It's not. It's not a, a, an easy entry point for people who've never studied God's Word before. They don't know how to do it. It can be pretty daunting, it can be pretty intimidating. What we found that for our young adults is that, that, that it was a little bit isolating, it was a little bit segregating, it was a little bit too exclusive. And we found that we could get all of the same goodness out of this approach, but then the benefit of being evangelical. OK, so Discovery Bible Method has the following strengths and benefits. It's an emphasis on learning Bible exposition. It's an encouragement that scripture can be easily understood. Lost people are learning the Bible. OK, that might freak you out. I don't know but lost people in our small groups are learning the Bible. They're lear- like, uh, can you imagine a lost person learning how to do a word study and being like, this is what the Bible showed me about what this word means? OK, how does that apply to your life? Well. Man, I think it applies in such and such way. Listen, that person is on a slippery slope to salvation. And it's, and it's happening, listen to me, it's happening weekly. This is happening weekly in our Bible studies. So, so people are learning how to understand the Bible. They're developing, a good, they're good, developing good study principles and habits. Our, our small group leaders can reinforce a good hermeneutic over and over again and small groups are actually a great place for biblical counseling and they save me a ton of time because pastors spend so much of their time counseling it's incredible and it makes it difficult for them to envision the church it makes them difficult to focus on training and and doing the thing like preparing people for church planting because they're spending so much time dealing with big and small issues chronic and and You know minor issues that they don't really have they don't really have time to do what god's called them to do sometimes which is is to preach and to pray so that's what acts teaches us they're supposed to be preaching and praying a a lot and uh, and sometimes they're so but bible studies create an environment where counseling happens naturally pretty great so here's the very first thing that you need to know about discovery bible method is that we our bible study leaders aren't teachers per se They're a different type of teacher. We refer to it as facilitating. They're a facilitator. Bible studies that are facilitated are Bible studies where the leader clears a path for the lost and the saved, both, to discover personal truths about God directly from his word. So the facilitator's job is not to explain everything. Like, you're not coming into Bible study ready to preach. You're coming into Bible study ready to ask questions, and the questions, give space for the word of god to preach. You're prepared to ask questions to guide the di- dialogue, to move people this direction or that direction. To ask, "Hey, Frank. Hey, Joe. Hey, Susan." All those all those names are like no one no one do people have those names anymore? I don't. Th- Bertrand. <laughs> what do you think about what we just read? What do when, when, when we read those passages and we compare scripture with scripture, what are the conclusions that you come to? And, and so the job of the of the um, Bible study leader is to facilitate conversation that leads people to truth. Their, their job is to clear a path. So in our ministry, a facilitator of Bible studies is the, is, is the following type of person. Now, this might not, you might not have the benefit and the flexibility to demand these things of your Bible study leaders, but I want to present them to you nonetheless as a good objective, all right? This is a good goal to have this kind of standard for the people that you put in in position of Bible study leader. So here's the deal. The first thing is they need to be proven. So if they're not faithful and consistent to the Bible study as an attender or an associate, then they'll never, the, the potential for them to be faithful as a leader just doesn't exist. Okay, you can't um, hope that this person who hasn't been faithful in their attendance and been a part and a, and a contributor is gonna somehow at the point of leadership decide that they're gonna be faithful. That doesn't happen. So they need to be faithful first and foremost. Second, they need to have been through D2. In, in our standard, we want someone, or, or, or we refer to it as Foundations 2 and 3. Um, so some of you might call it MTT or whatever it might be, but they need to have been through that because we want them to understand how to study God's word and we want them to have a philosophy of ministry we want them to have good biblical character right that's that seems like a a decent a simple threshold that they've been through that d2 mtt level training now as we continue on i want this to be someone who's actually successfully discipled because if you can't disciple one person how are you going to disciple a group of six seven eight nine ten I need to know that you can successfully shepherd a single individual. I need to have seen that in your life. And at the point that I know that you know how to disciple, then we're going to consider what it looks like for you to lead and guide people in a small group setting. And so that's another expectation is that we want to know that people have disciple. And the fourth thing is this. We prefer that people have been through um, counseling training, biblical counseling training. Now, that's that's healthy that's good but it's also like for me i'm a little bit selfish it's a selfish thing because i want the bible study leaders to be able to own the majority of the counseling ministry so that i don't have to so i mean it's crazy listen to me the dynamic has changed so quickly over the last few years i can't even begin to explain it to you i you know i used to get phone calls and and every day of the week i'd have some young person in my office dealing with an issue that they needed, to, they, need, they needed to work through. They were earnest, they were heartfelt, they needed to be dealt with. And I loved doing it, but it was hard. It was, exa- it was emotionally exhausting. I felt like a full-time counselor. But at the point that our, 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 our leaders began to, to get trained, now they're dealing with 90% of all the counseling issues in my ministry. And people are calling them and they're texting, them: hey, can we talk about such and such and such? And they can handle it it's manageable because it's it's not 200 people well it's like six or seven or eight or nine girls in their small group or or guys and it's manageable they can receive those texts they can field those requests much easier and it and it trains them and it preserves my time a little bit so the facilitator this is how they this is how they do this is what they do this is the this is the method of preparation that a facilitator must follow so in uh in uh kaya right now We are walking through Nehemiah, okay? They're they're doing uh, Discovery Bible Method through the book of Nehemiah, and it's been very profitable. Um, Before that, we were in, where where were we before? What? First Timothy was the summer study. I'll come back to the summer study thing. Uh, And then before that, we were in the Gospel of Mark. So they're doing Discovery Bible Method through these books And uh, what we do is, in advance, we break down the passages into uh, twice-a-month studies. So I'll just lay out, okay, we'll cover this this week, this this week, this this week, and then we send it to them, and then they start working through them throughout the the school year. We try to break it down so it's semester by semester. And and so they take whatever is the the assignment for that week, and they will read it. They'll read it. it, They'll read it, and they'll read it, and they'll read it, and then they'll study it and they'll dissect the passage in advance, and they'll do what we refer to as chunk the passage. They'll chunk it out, which, again, I'm sorry, it's a disgusting word, chunk. (laughs) Um, Some people don't like the word moist. I don't like the word chunk, but I use it regularly, okay? I'm not afraid to use it. So we chunk the passage. Now, in your handout, I think there's an example of how to do this. You'll see what I mean. So they get this passage, maybe it's 10 verses, maybe it's 11 verses, and they divide it out into key thoughts. They break it down into smaller components. Okay, here's the example here. They study it out, and they come up with themes within the theme, key points within an overall theme. Because that whole section there represents a major theme, right? Like you could title that the name of a sermon right but then you break it down into key points guess what the same way your pastor does every single week when he studies the word okay so you're breaking the passage down into key key ideas and then you come up with proof text to help support those ideas and then the next thing you do is you write a series of questions that guide the conversation so from here from this point you're coming up with questions that you know will provoke good dialogue And it will guide the people in your small group the group the direction that they need to go and keep them in the white lines so you read you study and then you pray and then and then you meet then you meet okay once you've done that it's time to gather you come together maybe it's a Tuesday night maybe it's a Wednesday night and this is how it unfolds from here. So you've done your preparation. The next thing you need to do when you meet and everybody's gathered in your living room, you read through the passage. You read the passage together. <clears throat> now you begin with prayer. That's how we usually begin. God lead us and help us and guide us tonight as we study your word. And then, and then we just read through it, the assigned passage. And so for us, the, all of our small groups are instructed to do the following, okay? We start by reading it silently everybody in the group reads it silently to themselves and then we come back together and we go around the circle and everyone reads a verse and it keeps everyone engaged it's a way of keeping people engaged so I read a verse Elijah reads a verse Alvaro reads a verse and we go around the circle until we finish the passage verse by verse okay now you've engaged with the 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 content twice and so people should be beginning to recognize themes they should see words that are repeated. Oh, it used the, the, the word forgiven twice here. Or it used the word grace five times in just a few verses. And, and, and I, I caught, caught that. So then what happens is the next thing is the facilitator asks, okay, what's the theme of the, tonight's passage? Now the facilitator already knows. They don't give the answer. Okay, what's the theme from the passage? Ask the group what the central idea of the passage is encourage people to participate immediately by asking people by name what they see in the passage what's the theme okay so you say hey matt what's 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 the theme in tonight's passage and you want to ask a few people and so the reason behind that is um, you want everybody to contribute but you want to synthesize the different things that people say and so matthew might say i see that the theme is uh tonight is um god's grace is sufficient okay oh really matthew okay so show me where'd you you come up with that and then he has to justify it using god's word because we don't want it to be his opinion we don't want it to be his conjecture he says oh well i see it here in this passage and it really stands out and then i ask someone else well what do you think the theme is and they might say well i think matthew's right but i also see that that there's a connection between grace and forgiveness well why do you what makes you think that well because i see the i see the word forgiveness in this verse and that verse And so I think it's also important. And so you have have a series of people contribute and at the end, the facilitator says, well, it sounds like between what everyone's saying is that tonight our theme is such and such and such. Okay, so you establish the theme for the evening. And it's important, listen, I think it's really important that we affirm even the simplest biblical discovery. We affirm it. That we say, hey, that's a really great contribution. Actually, I hadn't thought of that's really good. Thank you for sharing tonight. And we're using words that affirm people participating because they're afraid to, some of them. We want to invite people to, to join us. Ephesians 4:29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. You want to affirm people. When they're doing what's right and they're participating and studying the Bible. You want to pat them on the back a little bit because you know that it'll encourage greater participation. Now, what about correcting people when they're wrong? You got to be gentle. You got to protect the group against unsound doctrine, but at the same time, you don't have to break someone. You can do it in a gentle way. Encourage them as a friend. Remember at the beginning of a new book, you know, I think it's also important for the Bible study leader to present the historical context of the book. So if you're starting something new at the very beginning, it's important to remind people what the historical context of the letter or the epistle, what it is. That's the, that's the Bible study jo- uh, leader's job and responsibility. So we establish the theme and the next we dissect the passage, which this takes the majority of, of the time. We take what we've chunked and we break it down into each part and we study them in the parts. Okay. So using the chunk passage, allow the small group to discuss sections of, of, of the individual thoughts. And they're looking for repeating words, phrases, ideas that provoke conversation. And the focus here is doctrine. The focus is doctrine, not how you feel, or not your interpretation, not your private. Inter- it has to be doctrine, because doctrine begets application. When someone understands the, the, what the Bible is teaching, it will produce change in their life. So the facilitator leader must be ready to ask questions that provoke people to turn around in their Bible, look for things. Okay, hey, so you're in a passage, say it's Ephesians chapter two, you read something and you say, the facilitator says, you know what, this reminds me of a parable that Jesus taught. Does anybody know what what passage passage I'm thinking of? Someone might trip in, maybe they don't know. You guide people there. And you use proof texts to help support ideas. Hey, guys, let's do a, Let's do a word study right now. Here's a word we've never seen before. Let's do a word study right now. Break up in twos. We'll come back together in five minutes and we'll go. We'll use a concordance. We'll find all the ways that this verse is used, and then we'll use a, a pattern from Scripture to determine what this means. See you in five minutes. They break out. Le, there's there's leaders and more established people with new people. They're helping. they're teaching. They're showing people how to use a concordance and they come back together and they present their word studies right hey guys let's find the first mention of this word wait what's the first mention oh well it's when uh, the Bible the very first time that that word's used in English establishes an, an understanding or a knowledge that can be applied throughout scripture so we can understand it so it's like a definition for that word throughout scripture so let's go find the first use of this word and then people are scurrying around and they're doing it and what you're doing is you're giving people space to explore the Bible and to learn from God's word and discover for themselves how good God's word is. And you keep you keep your job is to keep people in the white lines. But your job is to create. Look, look, the the, big, the biggest issue with Discovery Bible Method is that people want to come in and they want to teach because the facilitator doesn't know they're a facilitator. They think they're a teacher so I'm, I'm saying this over and over again to you because too many people make this mistake. They want to do Discovery Bible Method, but they want to teach. They want to be heard. Or maybe they're just, they're, they're just talkers. You guys know the talkers? They get you in the lobby, and they trap you for 15 minutes. If you're going to put a person like that over a Bible study, you need to train them real well to learn how to sh- shut up. <laughs> because people aren't there for them. when, they, want, when they go to church to get the preaching, right? They go to church to get the preaching, they have a discipler for that. You know, they're in Bible study because they want to discover, personally, what the Bible says. And you should coach them, you're a coach. Helping them, encouraging them, pushing them, asking them to do things they've never done before. So the Bible study leader is modeling through question asking how to actually study the Bible properly. Okay, what's the guys remind me, what's the context of this passage? And then they're all contributing to that. And it's a lot of fun. And so you encourage note taking and people are taking notes from week to week and they come back and you can ask somebody, hey, you know, Joe, would you consider doing a a two minute review of what we studied last week? And Joe gulps like, uh, yeah, yeah, I could do that. I've got my notes right here. And then he shares just for a couple minutes and then you get you get into the study for that night. And people are growing and they're learning and they're getting handles on it. And, and you are delegating as a facilitator. You're delegating the work. So it's already built in even to the way you study the Bible. You're delegating. And that creates multiplication. And, and, you know, so sometimes you give them homework to do or blah, 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 but the idea is that you use the majority of your time to walk through these chunked passages, these dissected passages, and you establish the meaning of the passages, and people walk away understanding the Bible, understanding it. It made sense to me tonight. I get it. I didn't feel lectured. I didn't feel bored. I felt like I contributed. It felt like a laboratory of Bible study. It felt good. And then I can walk away with the application, which is the last thing, is when you've worked through the passages, you end by asking, what are you personally going to take away from the passage? Every person goes around the circle, and they share whatever it is, whatever it is they learn, the new, the, the lost, look, you ask a lost person, what did you learn tonight, what are you gonna apply? Well, um, I should treat my mom nicer, is what I learned. Like, it has nothing to do with what you studied that night, but it just happens to be the conviction that they walk away with. And you're like, awesome. Praise God, you should be nicer to your mom. I'm with you, me too, man. And then the next person's like, I think after studying tonight that God called me to be a church planter. That can be how stark the difference is in a small group, but all these people are rubbing elbows together and they're sharing this time in God's word and people come to know Christ this way. And so everybody shares and then you pray that you break up, hey guys, we're gonna break up in groups of two, And we're going to pray for one another that when we leave tonight we would actually apply and live out exactly what god taught us and then the evening's over and it should take you about an hour and a half that's what we do every other week that's what we do so here's the deal bible studies will only be evangelical if okay like you say you want an evangelical bible study okay that's fair you can say that but listen to me it'll only be evangelical if we want them to be They won't be otherwise. So what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to pray. If we if we want our small groups to be even evangel- if we want to reach the lost, well, what do you do? You pray. That's what you do. You pray, and you act like you will be fruitful. You, get, I mean, you got to act like it. You gotta you gotta believe it. You gotta hold yourself in such a way that shows that you're desperate and urgent to see souls saved because you can say one thing and act a completely, yeah, I, we really wanna see souls saved. Yeah, we wanna be evangelical and then never do anything, never pray the prayers and never do anything to support that. Even uh, Bible studies will only be evangelical if we want them to be. And they'll only be evangelical if we choose to invite the lost. So if you don't invite lost people there, it'll never be evangelical call it whatever you want call it call it a cell team call it discovery bible method call it your shoe it doesn't matter it won't be evangelical you won't get you have to you have to choose to go out and meet lost people and invite them to what you're doing evangelical bible or bible studies will only be evangelical if you choose to open the word of god the whole point is that the bible is awesome and people are discovering it not because you're preaching at them, but because they get to handle it for themselves. Bible studies will only be evangelical if we express Christ's love. And so what that means is people should be, should be able to see our love for one another in this small group. They should be able to see that we care for each other. We should, they should see that you're a sisterhood or a brotherhood, you should see that, that You love each other so much that you preoccupy each other's thoughts. They should be able to see that because ultimately the Bible is very clear on this, that they will know us by our love one for another. And if they come in your small group and it feels cold, you've lost. You have to love each other. You have to be able to express Christ's love. These things are critical. Okay, we have two minutes. So I don't know if we have time. Maybe we should do a Q&A at the beginning of tomorrow's session. Is that all right? Because you, might, you may or may not have questions. I don't know. Um, but I will conclude there. Um, we have lunch and things, things to be at. But if you want to catch me or Dan, Dan knows all about this uh, or a Bible study. We've got Bible study leaders here in the front row, people that know about it. If you want to come up and ask questions now, uh, you're welcome to do that i'll hang out for a minute and you can come up and, and we can chat but i love you guys thanks for letting me share this i hope hope it was impactful and we'll practice some tomorrow do you have father lord we thank you for this time uh, i pray for every one of these people um, lord i love them i don't even know them but they're here and they're your children and uh and they desire what you desire and so god i pray that you would use them i pray that you would give them focus i pray that you would give them your heart that they would love your word That they would desire to uh to be used mightily by you uh, whether it's confrontational evangelism or it's bible study evangelism that they would be ready uh to preach christ and your kingdom uh, everywhere that they go and all the time and so lord make make a generation of young people uh, make a movement of young people that will welcome the return of christ uh with obedience, with simple obedience, that in the face of a a hateful world, an oppositionary world, that they would be the remnant that you're asking them to be. And so fill them with faith, fill them with diligence, and make them ready. We pray for the meal, and we pray for a blessing on our afternoon, all this in Christ's name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit LFFellowship.com. God bless.